0: Yo, Jason.
1: Hey. We started like this last time. I think right. we're getting a bit boring.
0: Um, so I want you to take a look around you uh, right now and just see how much of the stuff is made out of plastic and how much of it is made out of non-synthetics.
1: Uh, yeah, quite a lot of it is plastic. I've got a bit of glass here phone has glass, I assume, uh, some fabrics. Uh, what else do I have? I've got a plastic phone. I'm in one of these uh, kind of phone booth things uh, at my office. Uh, don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> my charger is plastic. The headphones I'm wearing, uh, my badge, uh, the laptop I'm working on because I can't afford a, a fancy Mac uh, that yep. metal. So quite a <laughs> lot.
0: Yeah, so, so plastic is... Uh, it's prevalent everywhere. I mean, like, I, I'm not a big fan of plastic because I'm a bit of a hipster, but I still look around my bedroom and I've got plastic just out the wazoo. Uh,
1: I think it's time to wake up.
0: That that over there was a alarm telling me that I have to come and record a podcast with you because it's when load <laughs> shedding ends. But load shedding ended early, so... I still had a podcast or I still had a, a alarm running over there.
1: It's ultimate Stockholm sy- syndrome. They're like, well, we ended it a little bit earlier. <laughs> so be grateful. Oh yeah. No,
0: everything around me is, you know, fairly plastic. I've got extension cable that's insulated in a form of polymer. I've got, you know, my, my fan, um, the cup that I'm drinking the smoothie out of. Uh, so super super useful material um as as you will know but i'd say before we get into what's so cool about it it'll be cool to take like a little step back into the history of plastic uh and uh talk about where it came from and how it became you know what it is today
1: was it invented by mr and mrs plastic
0: it was invented by mr and mrs plastic uh and they went on to subsequently invent the Barbie girl and Ken. <laughs> it, so the the first synthetic polymer was uh, actually uh, derived entirely from um, from non synthetics. It was derived using cellulose, cotton fiber, and camphor, and it was invented by a John Wesley Hyatt back in 1869 inspired by a New York uh, firm's offer of $10,000 to anyone who could provide a substitute for ivory because they were running out of ivory because of the growing
1: popularity of the game of billiards, which I think is... Uh... <laughs> I can understand that because I've played pool and I, I'm quite addicted to it. So I can definitely understand it being a craze. And also chess. Maybe chess was also popular at the time. I know those used to be made out of uh, was ebony and ivory.
0: Yeah, and then you've got your pianos because they're also ebony and ivory.
1: I thought it was chess. So I've learned something new today. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it,
0: we had such a reliance on materials found in nature um, because synthetics were only in their infancy. I think the only synthetics that we rarely had during that time were like glass and metals that we had mined and refined.
1: I, I did think about um, things like rubber, because it's like a sap, right? Mm-hmm. So that I would say that would, is that, I don't know, is that a kind of plastic? I guess it's a...
0: So that's actually not rubber, rubber. Okay, so rubber as we understand it now is not from the rubber tree and is not made from sap. It's made uh, artificially using, uh, you know, plastic technology. But yes, yeah. you do get natural rubber. Um, that is definitely from from a sap. Uh, from a sap. Um, and not from a whale. And <laughs> not from a whale. Yeah, <laughs> man. If, if whales if whales were our only form of plastic, we would have gotten rid of them a long time ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd feel a lot worse about the situation.
0: Right, but so with with all these with all these plastic things that we have around us right now, right? All the plastics are different. Like this cable over here, it's a very like malleable plastic. This cup is quite hard. The um, the screen of your phone is actually probably a very very hard plastic polymer and that's what makes plastic so useful and plastic the word originally means like pliable and easily shaped and uh, that's essentially what makes plastic so useful is that we can change specific characteristics of it um so the discovery of this was obviously like revolutionary because for the first time in human history, manufacturing wasn't like constrained by the natural resources we had available. We didn't have to make billiard balls out of uh, out of ivory. We could make them out of, you know, plastic. We didn't have to make you know dashboards for for the automobile, which was just coming into vogue, out of wood and steel. Is we could make the glove compartment, you know, out of plastic. And that's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, Um, and I guess you kind of see it in day to day, right? You've got things like the polystyrenes, which is uh, usually that little tray that your tomatoes come on if you if you don't pick them off the shelf. Uh, You've got the like polyethylene. Uh, You've got some, uh, you know, you've got the harder plastics that are used for like lunch tins. Um, What what I find quite interesting is that before the pandemic, we were almost moving towards a plastic-free kind of shopping experience. I remember going into the the garden center, Pick and Pay, and they had a whole Mm -hmm. aisle. And that was like, like, you know, pick your own fruits and vegetables. And my thoughts are that now with the the pandemic, there's probably more people that want their stuff wrapped in plastic. Mm -hmm. So my wonder is like how much of the pandemic has counteracted that movement towards plastic free shopping. Also coming to uh, the UK, I've noticed that they really love love their packaging. Like they don't use polystyrene as much, but they like, you You can buy steaks and you just buy like one like vacuum packed steak uh, and they come, you've got to buy like a stack of them if you're having a party of some sort. Yeah, you don't get the like big braille packs that you can uh, Get it like uh, any of the South African stores, and um, mm. it's 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 quite uh, shocking, I guess. Um, and a, to a certain degree, I kind of assume that it is recycled uh, when mm. I put it into a different bin. Um, but I, I guess that's not the case, right?
0: So that's actually quite funny. Is that we we always talk about plastic currently in a very negative light because of the environmental impact, which we'll which we'll get to in a bit. But back in Back in the early days, um, advertisements were like praising plastics for for being a savior. What's this? I've got the savior of the elephant and the tortoise. In that we weren't using tortoise shells for tortoise shell stuff, and we weren't using elephant tusks for you know billiard balls. And uh, it's a interesting switcheroo that we've we've done. We found this incredible material. Um, and now because of how prevalent it is because of how useful it is it's now uh got a very negative connotation to it but before we before we get into that um a little bit of a little bit more history over there so the plastics that we understand today synthetic plastics were invented by leo bakeland in 1907 he called it bakelite um and it was while he was searching for a synthetic substitute for shellac, which was a electrical insulator. Uh, and that was during the time when the United States was rapidly electrifying and they really needed uh, insulative material for cables and for everything else that you get. Um, but what was pretty funny about it is uh, can you imagine like those old timey ads is like, ah, uh, fake lights, the material of a thousand uses. Your, your wife loves it, your dog loves it. <laughs> Hey, Daddy, do you have any of that light <laughs> lying around? I could use it to repair the microwave. Wait, did they have microwaves back then? Probably. It was probably like a
1: huge like multi-story building that they used to microwave <laughs> their, their chicken dinner. I guess it's, it's one of those things like, you know, you, you don't know it's bad for you and you kind of, I mean, it's probably something to do with the, the way that America kind of has this approach of safe until proven unsafe. Uh, so it's kind of just a, you know, go for it. Let's just plastic it up, like plastic on everything. Um, yeah, and, and that kind of maybe is part of why it's become so ubiquitous. But also, I mean, there's other factors and, and that pliability means, for instance, um, I went to like a trade show once and I saw these uh, these blanks. So I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen a blank for a bottle. Like they, they're like these small little, like look almost looks like a test tube. And what happens is it it goes into the machine, it gets heated up, and then it just gets blown in, blown into a specific shape. Mm. Um, and you can have you just need your machine, and you just buy blanks, and the blanks are kind of just sold in these big boxes. And you can have whatever sh- shape bottle you want. Um, and it's I mean it's easier to ship in that raw format, and then you have the ability to make your you know water bottles or you know coke bottles or whatever you want. Um, and that's part of the flexibility. It
0: is the material of a thousand uses, and bakelite wasn't just, you know, spinning spinning wild tales.
1: Yeah, they they weren't uh, they weren't lying. It it is useful, and and just in terms of the economics of it, like imagine, I, I mean, today Coca Cola still has glass bottles, and uh, imagine you were trying to ship a product and you had to have all of these glass blowers that were just there, like. Pumping away, and making these bottles, you know, huge yeah. sweatshops, lots of workers. Um, it would be quite a nightmare, and especially before the time of like mass manufacturing of glass, um, which I mean, that would be quite interesting to go into in the future, like a, an episode on glass. Uh, but it would be um, you know quite burdensome. But then you've got this wonder material, plastic, that you can just blow into any shape you want, and then uh, you know you can ship out your products, and you can. Uh, feed, feed the Western world and feed the, the <laughs> world of the world, right?
0: Well, so speaking of the the West is th- one of the biggest expansions to plastic was World War II, right? It's like right as plastic was just making headway into the, into the market and suddenly we needed, you know, lots and lots of military stuff from water bottles to vehicle parts to airplane parts to, you know, all of this. And well, plastic was the obvious, was the obvious choice. So uh, there's a, there's a pretty good quote from, uh, I have no idea. It says in product after product, mar- market after market, plastics challenged traditional materials and one taking the place of steel in cars, paper and glass and packaging and wood in furniture. Um, and I think that that like post world war II where it kind of comes full circle, and that's where where we get to today, where we're like, oh shit, we uh, we're noticing like lots of plastic in the oceans. You know, we see pictures, especially in developing countries, of like plastic litter here and there. Um, so its its reputation
1: is like really taken a knock. It's more than here and there. Like uh, I've I've just in researching this episode, I've looked at a few. Uh, pictures of the Ganges and uh, some of these high polluting rivers and it's not just a few pieces of plastic it is pervasive
0: it is it is actually when I was in uh in Accra in Ghana so Ghana's got a plastic waste problem as well um and when it rained over there there was so much plastic in the streets that it would clog up the waterways and then the streets would flood that How much just plastic there was everywhere when we hate on plastic i think and this is this is an opinion over here but i can i can substantiate it is i don't think that plastics are harmful i think that plastics are one of the biggest boons that humanity has right it is like it has led to our technological developments in pretty much every field uh what I think the problem is, is waste management. And you see that is that in the West, like, sure, we don't necessarily like landfills, but if plastic goes from being made into a landfill, it is significantly less environmentally costly than, say, making that same thing out of wood or making that same thing out of steel or making that same thing out of, you know, elephant tusks. Mm -hmm. Um, And So, and also if we take a look at landfills, we dislike landfills because it feels wrong to be burying all that stuff, but also because there's like nasty runoff, uh, and carbon emissions, but those carbon emissions and that nasty runoff is all due to organic waste. Right. Mm -hmm. Or to, you know, toxic waste. Um, but it's not due to the plastics, the plastics in just in lieu of the fact that they are very robust don't really degrade. So everything that's kind of wrong with landfills, except for that feeling that, oh shit, we're just burying everything away, is plastics are great. We just shouldn't let them get into the ocean and shouldn't have them littered everywhere.
1: Exactly. I think it's one of those things where it's like the emotional uh, response overpowers the logical or the thought response where you think, ah, this, uh, you are dumping it all. And people, you know, depending on where you brought up as well, it, like you're, you're told to clean your room and, you know, get rid of stuff and throw it, you know, in the, tr- in the trash. And I, I know like coming from a more European household, like from kind of a British background, you always like, instead of just throwing it on the ground, you like keep your packet or whatever, and you've got it stuffed into your pockets and then you have to wait until you get to a bin and then throw it in the bin your uh your initial response of like okay so now it's just getting thrown on the street or it's thrown into some landfill your initial response is like that's bad um but compared to the alternative of throwing it into the water or like getting it into like uh, food systems and uh, you know all of the ecological impact it has um you know you have to do that you have to do the full analysis and i mean it's mm. not always easy you're basically saying well let's take a a section of the land, we're just gonna make it in, uninhabitable. It's gonna be a horrible place. Uh, you're gonna throw your your garbage there, and you need to do it. It, ne- it needs to happen at the rate we are living. Um, and yeah, that's gonna be a no go zone. And it's the same with nuclear waste disposal. You know, you got to. This place is never gonna be that natural again. It's gonna be a. Dump. I think
0: that that's a, I think that's a bit unfair. Is that? Um, Landfills are, you know, they're not great. They're, they, they are, they are mucky, but you can actually create usable land on top of it. Like one of the nastiest landfills, um, was fresh kills, uh, outside of New York. And they ended up turning that into a park. And obviously it needs to be regulated, right. Is you yeah. need to make sure that you're catching that like nasty runoff and that it doesn't get into waterways. Fresh kills was a fuck up because it was like built on the water. Um, but currently whenever a place is zoned for a landfill we have to make sure we make sure that it isn't above any groundwater um because we don't want any of that leaching into the into the water and then once the once the um landfill has been filled up it gets compacted and it gets uh it gets covered over so it creates usable land for at least industrial purposes but you could theoretically have it be for anything Although I don't think it should be used for humans to live. Um, I think we could definitely have, you know.
1: Definitely. You don't want to build a well. uh, (laughs) Definitely
0: (laughs) don't want to build a well. (laughs) Have
1: have a commune there. Um, But the I mean, for me, like the the main kind of driver behind trying to figure out a solution is the impact on the oceans. Uh, Like coming from a place like Cape Town, we we are surrounded by the oceans, and we have a very strong tie to it. Um, I was reading an article about uh, the concept of microplastics, which is considered to be anything under five millimeters. Mm -hmm. And then there's also something called uh, sort of, I think it's called mini microplastics, even smaller. But uh, the way that they do research on, on these microplastics in the oceans is they basically take a net and then they scrape it through the water and the, the net is able to, you know, pick up. It's more like a the mesh, of,
0: yeah.
1: It's like a mesh, but it can pick up to the g- degree of plankton. Uh, okay. And for a long while, this is the way that they would do these studies to find out, you know, what the parts per million is. Um, but I read an article recently and it came out, I think it was uh, last year, beginning of last year, that they actually had a new way. And uh, do you know what a sulp is? I don't. Do yourself a favor and have a look at this it's a wonderful creature it almost looks like a jellyfish but it's like got this really long tube structure and uh it's it's got this underwater water propulsion system so water goes in and it gets digested and it gets pushed out the back as a way of movement right so they did a new study and because of the way that the salt ingests water it basically acts like a filter and they examined the salt to figure out how much microplastics there are in the ocean and they found that 100 percent of the salts that they uh, picked up and studied had some form of microplastics inside of them mm. which goes towards the idea that we have underestimated the amount of microplastics that are in uh, our oceans by quite quite a large amount
0: yeah, I'm sure you've heard the you know we we di- dived to the Mariana Trench and there were some bottles down there and it's like yeah they're they're in there and the fact of the matter is that this is terrible right like um, you have ocean and like you have sea animals who are starving because their stomachs are full of plastic uh, there's, yeah. so oh, there's awful there's awful um, imagery if you go and look for it of like a seabird that's decomposed and you see that its stomach was just like a bowl of a whole bunch of different kinds of plastics. Um, and what you said about like the way that they check for microplastics is by using a mesh that's fine enough for plankton. Well, that's how a lot of whales eat, right? Yeah. They use their baleen to, to filter, you know, micro stuff out of the water. So, uh, whales are now eating a very plastic rich diet
1: where the previous uh, estimate was 10 microplastic fragments per cubic meter the okay so now it's mini microplastics are included it's recalibrated to 8.3 million pieces per cubic meter of ocean water
0: that's a, is, that's a lot of little pieces
1: that's not even like yeah that's like a 100x plus in yeah. increase in, in the understanding of how much it is affecting our ecosystem
0: there's also like very and this 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 study field of study is in its infancy but like the effects of microplastics on humans you know like let's say for instance you eat fish that was eating a lot of microplastics how does that affect you um but none of it is very conclusive most of it is like well we're eating a lot of microplastics and that's probably not a good thing um yeah or it's probably a very neutral thing you know it could be that you know plastics are actually completely neutral and if they just pass through us it's not hurting much, but there's a lot of talk about like estrogen and hormones.
1: Yes. But the thing is like the microplastics are be- are coming because plastic to a certain extent does degrade. I mean, you have seen like a manky bottle uh, and mm-hmm. the microplastics is that degraded degradation process. So it's breaking up and it's breaking up into these kind of smaller particles and that gets ingested. And I know, especially for fish, like mercury poisoning has always been a concern and now it's going to move towards also having uh, plastic, uh, contamination as a factor, mm. um, which, you know, for a lot of uh, populations around the world, their main source of food is, is, is fish. Um, yeah, but what I, what I also went into was what the kind of makeup of these microplastics is. Um, the, the majority of it is synthetic textiles, which is about 35% of microplastics. So that's uh, polymers such as nylon, uh, polyester, uh, certain fabrics.
0: So you get that when you like have your new sportswear and you wash it in the washing machine and those little, little plastic fibers get washed out into the ocean, huh?
1: I mean, it's I, I, like, I didn't go too deep into like how it gets there. Uh, but you know, that's, that's considered partly of the, part of the makeup. And I assume it's probably because, you know, people dispose of nylon into like a river and it like degrades a little bit quicker than, you know, some other plastics like uh, polyethylene, um, PET. Um, the, what it, what's interesting is that the second uh, highest concentration is 28% and that is car tires. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, don't uh, throw your car tires into the water, and uh, make sure you dispose of them properly. I
0: have actually read about this. Uh, it's uh, the reason that there's so much rubber in oceans and waterways is actually because of runoff on roads. Is that your tires leave lots of rubber residue on on roads, and so with a lot of traffic moving on these roads. There's a big buildup of many just chips and pieces of tires, and then when it rains,
1: that all runs into the waterways, and all of that runs out into the oceans. That sounds plausible because the third most, uh, the third biggest contributor is city dust, at 24%. So I imagine you're right there. It's city runoff uh, from the tires mm. that is going into the waterways. Um, it's it's quite interesting to look at those different denominations i know for a certain point of time there was a lot of stuff about uh microplastics in pharmaceuticals like uh if you think of like a facial face washes, yeah yeah they used to have like little particles and that would be to exfoliate to a certain degree and now you can see there's a movement towards uh using things like sand instead of uh these microplastics but then again it's also only in parts parts of the world that they've banned it and in other parts of the world they're probably you know still going going gung-ho on like you know putting plastics on their skin um and, and yeah it's that's that kind of personal care products is only about two percent of of the um the, So that's specifically,
0: that's specifically for microplastics. though. when it comes to the actual like massive plastic waste in the ocean, I think that it's, yeah, it's differently separated with, uh, discarded fishing equipment actually being the, the biggest, uh, lump of that followed by your, um, packaging that just comes down through rivers. Um, I think this is actually a really good segue to talk about, uh, to talk about like one of the solutions being recycling. Um, And it feels right to us because we want to reuse, right? Like with with, uh, aluminum and with glass and even with paper is we can put a whole bunch of used stuff into a recycling bin and then it goes and it gets uh, malted down or pulped up and repurposed into a product that is as good as... The product that uh, originally went into it, right? With plastics, that is not the case. With plastics, mm-hmm. there is no such thing as recycling. It's always downcycling, right? You put it, you put a bunch of plastic bottles into the recycling bin. If they do get recycled, which they probably won't, uh, it comes out as a uh, generally like a building material or. Um, you, you see there's like timber plastic tables or like piers, which are recycled, recycled um, plastic bottles. And uh, when those degrade, there's not, there's nothing that you can do with them. So most plastics aren't actually recycled and arguably shouldn't really be recycled because the amount of energy that is expended to do the recycling process, which includes transportation and cleaning and then the actual the actual process is more environmentally costly than making it out of raw material. And what's interesting about that is that we kind of take a look at in environmental issues. And on the one side, we've got the climate, the climate crisis mm. and the climate crisis should be our number one priority. Right. So we should be trying to reduce emissions as much as possible. And if, emission reduction is the most important aspect over here then we should be making all plastic from uh, uh, from scratch because it's actually more uh, environmentally friendly with regard to the climate not necessarily with regard to to plastic waste Um, but secondly there's there's so much energy and effort going into recycling and it's Generally, so it's, and we're going to dip a little bit into into cons, conspiratorial area, but it's like pushed by plastic manufacturers and plastic companies to absolve themselves of the responsibility of the products that they create. Right. Yeah. And with all the work that's going on around plastic recycling, I believe that the world would be a much, much better place if. All of that effort was instead focused on uh, helping countries that do not have good waste disposal get good waste disposal. Right. So instead of trying to set up a newfangled recycling plant in the United States, instead take those millions of dollars and use it to try and clean up towns around the Ganges. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because it's a it's a global problem when it gets into the ocean.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and and I think it's also, it's one of those uh, kind of more economic things is that it's actually, or it's economic and political because if you go to, you know, if you're running for president of the United States and you say that you want to go into foreign countries and it's not a very good move, but then you still need to have economically you need to create some incentive to push people in the direction of um, better, uh, kind of care for the environment. I, I'd
0: say I'd say in this case, not not the individual, right? Is that I, I do not think that the individual is capable of being responsible for plastic waste. I think in this case, it is very very much you know about like good waste disposal
1: incentivizing you know end consumers to be more conscious about recycling, you kind of give more of a like an overhead for the like businesses to not do it. So it's like, well, we're saving all of this uh, plastic because we've told people that it, they have to do the hard work. And then this business is like, well, on a national level, like people are doing their bit and the companies cannot do their bit. Um, and so there's kind of like a, a getting out of jail free card for the companies who are actually the ones who should be incentivized to actually do something about it
0: absolutely absolutely so we should be we should be in some way making companies accountable for their waste whether it be you know emissions or plastics
1: and it's it's also partly like you know there, there's a it's comes into the time span of your life, right? Because uh, a lot of these people don't think about what's happening in 100 or 200 years. um, Mm. Because, you know, you could poison the oceans and you could overfish the oceans. And then you've got no, you know, somewhere in Indonesia where your only source of food is fish. Uh, And it's happened in uh, Somalia where they've had to result in piracy because, you know, their source of food, which was fish. So by not having a longer term up, outline or outlook and not having a way to attribute uh, a value to that future state, there's no way that you can really incentivize people to actually do that, but because, you know, Mm. as you said, it's more intensive, uh, we've tried to export it to China and in 2017, they decided, no, we're not going to take any more rubbish from you. And so, you know, there's kind of a bit of a scramble to figure out like, how are we going to, how are we going to handle all of this, all of this waste?
0: Um, so, so generally, you know we we talk about potential solutions here and there but i do have the solution jason right and it, i have one too yeah you go first yeah no, no so it, i mean i've already i've already kind of outlined it over here but if there are any leaders of any third world countries listening to this podcast uh i am open to consultation <laughs> what we need to do is we need to make people okay with the concept of landfills and get better at doing that. And we need to make sure that waste gets into those landfills. And we need to stop thinking about recycling plastic, carry on focusing on recycling, you know, glass and aluminum and stuff like that. Those are super, super important to recycle those with plastic itself. You've got the whole reduce, reuse, recycle. I'd say, Number one is reduce, reduce the person like if you want to be personally accountable for this, you probably won't make a difference in your personal capacity. But, you know, if it makes you feel better and it is just like nicer to not litter, even if you are in a dump, um, is reduce the amount of uh, plastic that you use, reuse plastic that you do have. And then instead of recycle, just make sure that it doesn't go into the ocean.
1: Well, yeah, it's easier said than done, right? Because a lot of people don't really have control as soon as it goes into the bin. But I think the main thing is, is that specific sorting. So that stuff that is uh, recyclable in a very high degree, like the glasses and the metals, like they go to the right places. Uh, food waste, obviously, because then you don't uh, you know, contaminate the, the plastics, I guess. Um, if you also think about it in terms of um, first principles, You've got this material that basically never degrades or degrades very slowly, so it would make sense to find places where uh, you need materials that don't degrade. Uh, and one of the interesting developments is something called plastic roads, and I think it's a Dutch con- company. Um, they're taking recycled yogurt con- containers and you know uh, plastic forks and and they're making it into a road surface. Um, and you know, obviously, they have to have sort of a way. For the runoff because uh you know plastic there's no water that goes through so it's a quite an interesting design where they've got plastic on the top and it's kind of got like a reservoir underneath mm-hmm. and uh that reservoir can fill with water and then it slowly dissipates into the into the ground um which is quite good for another thing which is uh you know with concrete and you know these kind of urban environments you get this uh, sort of surge when there's a rainfall uh, because the water just runs off and it doesn't actually seep into the ground.
0: That's pretty neat. I'm, I'm taking a look at it now, and it looks like the uh, Eastern Cape is working on Africa's first plastic road. So well done, South Africa. We were getting our first plastic road in the works.
1: Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And uh, I mean, I thought about, because I went to this one Ted, TEDx or uh, something in Cape Town, and they had, you know, um, Coke bottles that they would filled with, like, lots of litter. Uh, And then they would Mm -hmm. like put it into like a kind of brick and then they would make it into like, they would put it into like a sort of temporary housing kind of unit. Mm. Um, So those kind of things, because you can think of like a building is like when like they're very, they have a very long lifeline lifetime. So if you could somehow combine plastics and building materials, uh, that would be a good way to get rid of all of this stuff.
0: If you can create, if you can create good building materials and also, Preferably not for, you know, temporary housing, because if you're, if it's only up for, you know, 10 years, you're just delaying it being Mm. waste for 10 years, right? Um, But yeah, if you could, you know, create uh, stuff that could be used to build, like, proper buildings out of, that would be pretty neat. Um, Mm. It would also be interesting to see uh, what comes out of that, because we also know that, like, um, concrete is pretty emittive. In you know our
1: yeah.
0: uh, uh, climate issues.
1: I mean, it all comes down to that. It comes down to that cost at the end, the cost to the environment and the cost to you know manufacture. Um, and then the other one, which is kind of more of a, I would say, a long shot, but it's it is something that I found, uh, is that uh, I believe in it was um, twenty twenty. There was an article. Um, Where they actually found a bacteria that uh, eats plastic and that is in in Germany but uh, as you can imagine Mm. with finding a small bacteria that does something really useful uh, it's going to take a long time before it becomes industrially uh, viable to kind of sprinkle these uh, organisms onto landfills and in a sense by having that sorting mechanism when we do have that technology we can actually just throw it onto like the plastic landfill and then ideally it would beat the plastic
0: in the end it is just hydrocarbons right so there's a uh there's a thing i watched on they created a uh i think it was a strain of oyster mushroom which is a very tasty edible mushroom that gr- uh, that they got to grow on oil right so you can like mm. grow them in, in oil spills and stuff um yeah I'd say that the, the one thing about plastics is that there are so many different kinds of plastics. I mean, it's, you know, lots of different polymers uh, that are available and trying to find saying like, oh, we have a bacteria that eats plastic is probably incorrect as we have a, uh, a bacteria that eats a specific kind of plastic
1: yeah yeah i mean i i don't know the extent to it and we we probably need to get a biologist to, onto our channel at some point uh, i would love to but it, it it does have it does have that kind of sci-fi ish and i would say it's probably more of a optimistic outlook and i think mm-hmm. this is something that people need to maybe and it depends on your your way of seeing the world but i'm finding like myself being more in the optimistic mood whereas yeah. I, and- have great, especially with the way that the mRNA tech was coming out, and we can do another session on that. Uh, but I feel like we do have technology that is developing, uh, there are going to be solutions that come out of these problems. And it doesn't mean that we, we have a free ticket to go like full out and just, you know, pollute the Earth.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I've got one more, one more thing that we can chat on before we, before we kill this bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if, uh, I was drinking a, a bottle of sparkling water yesterday and on the, it's a Vulpry bottle. Um, mm. and on the bottle, it was bragging about the fact that it is a 30% plant bottle. Mm. And so it's a, it was you get plastics, bioplastics that are made out of plants. They're made out of crops instead yeah. of fossil fuels, and it it was advertised as being more ecologically friendly, right? But I realize as a person, a person who doesn't really think about this kind of stuff, it makes it look like this bottle is better for the earth because it degrades faster or something like that. Not Mm -hmm. just it's made out of, out of plants. And I think that it was such a sneaky move by them because Mm -hmm. it is not like, I do not think that bioplastics are greener is you're using up more, more farmland to make plastic. Um, and it's probably more, emittive in the process because you know crude oil turns out it's in a very readily available state, um, and it's just this whole greenwashing thing. It's kind of like when you go to a mm. to a coffee shop and you or somewhere and you order uh, a ice ice latte and they give it to you in a plastic cup with a plastic lid and then they've got their you know paper straw in there because you know they're greenwashing that that whole thing and it, it annoys me so much.
1: There's also like the the whole thing of like free trade uh, or fair trade. Like, you know, there's always like a thought you're like, well, there's no mandate that they have to do it like that. And it's probably just to, you know, to boost up their own company to make it look like they're more, uh, you yeah. know, ecologically sound. But what I, I think I I did see it and I, I haven't researched it, but there was a technology that they were using to, it is also material science, which is, I mean, fascinating t- like topic. But they were using uh, material sciences to create plastics out of uh, the same material as uh, sort of prawn shells. Uh, so you can think of crustaceans like lobsters, and that would obviously degrade.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty neat. I mean, like if you think about what most what well, what a lot of beach sand is is, it's really just lots of bits of shells that are just silica deposits that are you know created by organisms. Um, But yeah, so there are there are a couple of things that people are doing with regard to plastics that bioplastics, again, not a big fan, because it's not actually solving the problem that we're having. There are companies that are trying to make plastics that are more biodegradable, right, so that take less time to break down or don't break down into, you know, nasty microplastics. Um, And then there are also a lot of steps taken to try and make recycling profitable. And which means making it more efficient, right, is, yeah. again, currently, there's no real economic reason to recycle plastics. So if we can create a way that makes recycling, where recycling plastic makes sense, then it will make sense. Um, there's also a concept that Tanner introduced me to. He, he reckons that societies of the future are going to be doing mining of landfills for all the stuff that we, that we threw away.
1: You see that in, in like gold mining, where they, they mine mined a whole area in like the Yukon, and then they have better technology later. So they go and like, remind it, Mine the mine dumps. Mine yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think, uh, so in terms of outlook 10 years, say, let's make it 20 years, do you think we're going to solve the plastics problem?
0: No, I think it's going to be, I think the plastics problem is going to get worse. Uh, but I think that we're going to become better at it. So I, I'd say that, like, again, when the the plastics problem is a waste management problem, and so mm-hmm. as countries develop, they're going to be better at waste management, and less plastic is going to go into the sea. So so it's less of a technical problem and more of a societal problem, and yeah. overall, societies are getting. Better, um, mm. except for a few niche cases. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm optimistic.
1: I'm optimistic that there'll be some sort of technological breakthrough. I mean, if we can manufacture steaks out of mung beans, then we can, even if it's like a, a way to do some sort of filtration on like ocean water, you know, it's. We are ready to filter the air, Jason. Yeah, we're just going to have a big pool pump and we just pump the water through like some sort of little sieve dude just a Mm. just a creepy crawly exactly a creepy crawly (laughs) in the ocean